Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord for The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Hey friends, my name is Brenda. Thanks for joining us as we continue to journey through Psalms together. This week, Walt and I have been reminded as we thumb through the pages of Psalms just how helpful this book is in many different situations of our lives. We are purposely looking at various types of psalms as we go through this study together. And today, we are going to consider David's words in Psalm 35. This psalm is simply titled, A Psalm of David, and it is one of the imprecatory psalms, which in strong terms asks God to defeat and destroy the enemies of his people. As you read through the book of Psalms, the imprecatory Psalms become more intense. Psalm 7 is perhaps the mildest, while when you look at Psalm 109, some have even counted at least 30 curses in that particular chapter. You know, it's difficult to assign this psalm to any particular period in David's life. However, the phrasing from Psalm 35.1 is similar to what David said to Saul in 1 Samuel 24.15. And so for that reason, many have linked this particular psalm to that particular period in David's life when Saul pursued him. You know, over the span of 10 to 14 years after the prophet Samuel had anointed David as the next king of Israel, King Saul chased and hunted David, his purpose to end his life. And as I even think about that, that period of time and how David had to flee from, from his, this wicked king. I, I, I'm reminded of when I, um, I worked for a Christian man when I was a teenager, and this was before I was a believer. And another businessman who was supposedly um, a believer embezzled hundreds of thousands of dollars from him. And as a pagan, I just screamed for vengeance. you got to kill this guy. Um, but this mature believer committed the hypocrite to the Lord for his judgment. And, and this is at the heart of imprecatory psalms. God, you get them. I won't. I can't. David here in this psalm begins by pleading to God to defend him. And I, I love the words he used are even very strong in verse 1. Contend, Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. And he pleads his case before the Lord, and he says, there are people contending with me. They're, they're striving against me. Would you come and join me in the fight? Um, would you purpose to, to be there in the midst of this battle that, that um, they're not only opposing me, David says, they're opposing you, God. And I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said, every saint of God shall have this privilege. The accuser of the brethren shall be met by the advocate of the saints. And that's what David is asking. God, you need to be the advocate for me. Um, God, you need to be my champion. It's almost like he's saying, um, God, come and be my champion in battle for me, just as I did. Um, I was King Saul's champion and fought against the giant Goliath. 
you know, and as you say that as an example, I can't help but go to Elah Valley. And uh, as we stand in Elah Valley in Israel and we look over at the one hilltop where the Israel, Israel army was gathered and we look over on the other side of the valley where the Philistines would have been gathered. And, and it's just the perfect scene for this as David says, I will not let this this pagan, this Gentile giant threaten Israel. I'm going to go out and I'm going to fight. And so he says um, in 1 Samuel 17, 45, you come to me with a sword, a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. And if you look in verses two and three in this Psalm this week, he is calling on God to stand up and fight on his behalf, just as he did that day in Elah Valley when he had a slingshot and five stones that he had picked up. And he even refers to the spear in these verses um, as uh, the great giant Goliath was coming to him with all of his armor on and his sword bearer and the spear. And David says, I am depending on God's salvation. I'm turning. And I love this last phrase in verse three. David needs to hear these words. And he says to God, I speak to my soul tell me I am your salvation. And and God tells us that when we need comfort, when we need peace, when we are being chased and hounded, what is it? God says, I am your salvation. And I love this, even this um, suggests a, a number of aspects of David's assurance. David is going to say he had his doubts. And, and guess what? We all have times of doubt. But David knew where to obtain his full assurance. He would turn to God and ask, say to my soul, Lord, I need you to speak to the deep inner man of me, not just to my head, but Lord, would you speak into my soul? And David's assurance was God was there and and God would be his salvation both in this life and in all eternity. Well, let's continue reading in Psalm 35, um, verses 4 to 6. Let those be ashamed and dishonored who seek my life or, or my soul. Let those be turned back and humiliated who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them on. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing him. And I, I love the imagery of, of the angel of the Lord is pursuing him down a, a dark and slippery path. Um, and it's just, is, is David just saying, God, get him. Um, he asked God not only to protect him early in the psalm, but he's now saying, vindicate me. Um, he seems to know that, that he really did want to serve and obey God. And, and those who opposed him were made like chaff before the wind. And then David prayed two times for God's special messenger, the angel of the Lord, to drive them away. And um, without going to, into a full theology of the angel of the Lord, I believe that David is calling on God the Son for his help. This appears to be um, a pre-incarnate um, visitation of the second person of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this angel of the Lord, his his battle is either, either for our salvation or for the wicked, for those who oppose God. It's 
to their doom. That's who the angel of the Lord is and what he does. And then continuing in verses 7 and 8, they hid their net for me without cause. Without cause, they dug a pit for my soul. Let destruction come upon him who is unaware, and let the net which he hid catch him. Let him fall into that very destruction. And David's using pits and nets. Um, these were used to, to gather and kill wild animals. And he's saying that's what they're doing. It's not just we have a disagreement or, or we have a verbal spat. They're trying to actively kill me. They're trying to spend time and dig pits. and they're, It's not accidental. They are coming after me. And when the wicked take this time and effort to make nets and dig pits um, to overthrow God's people, David prays for their destruction. And then as we conclude this section in verses 9 and 10, David promises, I will praise the Lord. So my soul shall rejoice in the Lord, shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones will say, the Lord, who is like you, who rescues the afflicted from one who is too strong for him, and the afflicted and the poor from one who robs them. David's pleading with God for deliverance and protection. Um, and he promises that because God does this um, as he's going about doing this, that he would rejoice in the Lord. And in the midst of just some really um, hard, trying situations, David how is it possible for anyone to rejoice in the Lord? And it's because he has confidence um, that I uh, will praise you, I will give you the honor, and I believe that you will deliver the poor from the enemy who's too strong for him. And I love, you know, David here, he pleads for protection, but he promises praise yeah. to the Lord. And that is I mean, it's so typical of David. He's so honest. And then ultimately, after he pours out his whole heart, he comes back. Well, let's continue because David's still pouring out his heart in verses 11 to 14. David now expresses his sorrow. They repay me evil for good, he says in verse 12, to the bereavement of my soul. David remembers the dishonor of his enemies who gave him evil when he had offered good to them, all to the sorrow of his soul. And he, and in the depth of his soul, David feels misunderstood, and he is the deliberate target of false accusation. Again, great sorrow comes to his heart. And his words of sorrow continue into verses 13 and 14. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, but my prayer kept returning to me. I went about as though it were my friend or brother. I bowed down in mourning like one who mourns for a mother. You know, David describes the good he did for his enemies in the past. And we know, as we read in 1 Samuel, David did many good things to minister to King Saul and to offer care for him. And yet, even though he 
treated Saul, as it were, as a friend, as as his king, and he offered honor to him. Now he is being hunted and betrayed by King Saul, if that is the setting for this. And in verses 15 and 16, but at my stumbling, they rejoiced. They gathered themselves together. The afflicted people whom I did not know gathered against me. They slandered me without ceasing. Do you see these words? I mean, they just keep going on, right? The godless gestures at a feast. They gnashed at me with my teeth. I mean, you can just see that he's saying these these enemies are lashing out. They're happy. They're rejoicing when David is in a time of crisis. David's enemies attacked him. They come upon him in surprise. Lord, how long will you look up? On David says finally in verse 17, after he lists all these ways that he's being chased and run down, when when will you rescue my soul from my ravages, my only life from the lions? I will give you thanks in the great congregation. I will praise you among a mighty people. He's saying, how long, Lord? Rescue me. And by the way, I'm going to thank you. I'm going to praise you because you will rescue me. He knows that God will give deliverance and he promises praise. David is is struggling with this whole aspect of, God, I I don't know why you haven't acted, but I I do know you will, and I promise I'll praise you. And when even as I'm hearing this, I'm thinking um, uh, when we go to En Gedi, uh, it's really um, very close to the Dead Sea, and it's really on the way up to Bethlehem, and it would be a natural place um, there in the Judean wilderness for David to want to get the sheep because there's water, there's a spring there, the spring of the wild goat, the Getty. And and we go there, and as we look up, up at the steep slope and these ridges, we see the, the, the hillside dotted with caves. And every so often we'll see one of the wild goats go in or come out or just sit there in the shade. And it just reminds me that, that David is saying, God, um, I've had to hide from my enemies. And God, I'd ha- I've had to trust you to protect me. And I promise to praise you as you do that. Well, David continues his prayer in verses 19 through 22. And he said, let not those who are wrongfully my enemies rejoice over me, nor let those who hate me for no reason wink, or this idea of wink the eye maliciously, for they do not speak peace, but they devise deceitful words against those who are quiet in the land. Um, don't let them rejoice over me, God. Don't let them have a party and mock me and mock you. Vindicate me. And even that idea of winking with the eye or rolling your eyes, um, making a sign that they're insulting and they're mocking David, it reminds me of um, our teenage kids. Um, and, and they would, <laughs> yeah. and I think yeah. of one of the phrases, oh, I'll make your eyes roll, you know. And, 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 it's, and in this case, David is saying, they're rolling their eyes. God, you see them. You mm-hmm. see them. And continuing on in verses 21 and 22, they opened their mouth wide against me. They said, aha, our eyes have seen it. Um, Lord, you've seen this. And, and David uses various names for God. He uses the name Yahweh, but he also uses the, the name Adonai. And 
And David is really reflecting on various aspects of God. God, you're Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. God, you're Adonai, the ancient of days. He recognized that this kind of a God, a God who's the ancient of days and keeps covenant, um, this kind of God sees all. And David says, I'm innocent. Um, He's being falsely accused by his enemies, but I'm innocent, David says. And I, you know, well, even as you are talking there in verses 21 and 22, I, you know, I just love the names of God. And that was an earlier series that we put on Walk with God. But I'm, I'm just reminded that whenever we see a different name of God, if it's Yahweh, if it's Adonai, and, and a little bit later here, we're going to see Elohim in these next couple verses. And as he um, is talking about God, you know, you and I, we, we said earlier, it's, it's so important that we see those different names because it tells us different um, attributes, different character traits of who God is. And we see now just in summary verses 23 to, to 26, David cries for the Lord to wake up. And we know the Lord doesn't sleep, neither he, the Lord does not slumber nor sleep. But he says, come to my rescue. In other words, you know, Lord, it's kind of like you're sitting there on your throne. Don't let them rejoice over me. Don't let them taunt me and chase me. And then he asks for God, Elohim, you are my God and you are my Lord. And David boldly asks God to be his mighty defender. And David ends this psalm by asking the people of God, rejoice when God comes forth, when he judges, when he vindicates me, rejoice, take joy. Um, These verses say, may those shout for joy and rejoice who take delight in my vindication. And may they say continually, the Lord be exalted, the Lord be exalted, who delights in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall proclaim your righteousness and your praise all day long. Let them shout and be glad who favor me because they favor my righteous cause. Um, Let the Lord be magnified. Lord, you be exalted. And then David's heart desire is to glorify and magnify God all day Mm. long. And would that be a a prayer for us? God, might I glorify and magnify you all day long today? Which is so great. Well, that takes us into our head to heart. And once again, as David has cried out against his enemies, he said some harsh words. He's um, expressed his sorrow. He's weary. He's tired. Um, That harsh judgment that he's pronouncing. And so we say to ourselves, how do we apply this? And, you know, David draws our hearts. uh, I promise to praise you, Lord. I know that you're going to protect me. And our life is filled with trials and struggles and people will criticize us. But what will our thoughts and attitudes be toward those who have wronged us? Will we speak openly and honestly before the Lord? Pour it all out. Maybe maybe you're a writer. Maybe a journal is where you need to go. Or you need to take a long walk and just talk. You just need to spill those words. 
But then I encourage all of us to begin to pray for that person, to bring them to the to God, just as David did. He brought whoever this particular person was, if it was King Saul or someone later in his life, and then that we would delight in the Lord and meditate on his word to cultivate that close walk with the Lord, search our hearts and humbly ask the Lord to show us any unconfessed sins. You know, David does not try to kill his enemies, but rather he came before the Lord and said, God, you take care of them in your way and in your time. And when we have enemies, we must ask God to take care of the situation. We must not try to hurt them ourselves and do it on our own, but rather ask God to fight for us. You know, in Psalm 35, David has given us another beautiful example for how we should live our lives. And until next time, may each of us continue to pour out our hearts to the Lord and walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord for The Awakening in America and Outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. 